HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, the triumphant return of Heather from Heritage. Co-hosted with Jack Insley here today on the Heritage Report. I've not heard that song in a minute. <laughs> and we haven't heard you in a minute either, Miss Hyman. That is true. I've been on a brief hiatus. Um, pretty busy the past couple months with Heritage. We got turkeys that I was working with. Went down to a Virginia to visit the farm and the smokehouse, so we've definitely been a little busy back in the Heritage headquarters. Yeah, and for those who are just joining us, Heather Hyman uh, works with Heritage Foods USA and is the old host of the Heritage Farm Report that you may or may not know. This show is the Heritage Report, which uh, differs just a slight bit, but we'll be touching on a bunch of the same issues, talking with farmers Talking about the distribution business. Most importantly, what I love to do, connecting the producer to the consumer and all that comes along with it. Mm. So it's been, a, it's been a fun November and December, to say the least. Uh, <laughs> um, I took a trip out to Trimble, Missouri, where we went and we packaged over two to 3,000 birds in one day. It was really super special. What kind of birds? Heritage birds. Heritage turkeys, to be exact, for people's Thanksgiving feasts. And these are like the most famous heritage thing. Well, the genetics come from Frank Reese, who's the preeminent poultry expert in America. He's been referred to as the godfather of American poultry on many instances. He's been a guest here on the network many times, and uh, he definitely knows the deal with um, the the poultry industry. He's been in it for quite some time now. So we have a big following, and it's a it's a big day on uh, Monday before Thanksgiving. Um, there's a huge team that goes out. We set up two lines like a conveyor belt where we've got people in the back with the birds and then people all the way on the other end with FedEx labels slapping them on top of the boxes and uh, what goes on in between is lots of packing and (laughs) so this is packing after the birds have been slaughtered yes so you're not there for that part I am not there for that part and the slaughter actually happens at a different place than where they're distributed out of which is uh, Paradise Soccer meets this past year 
okay. another sponsor on the Heritage Radio Network. Thank Friends you. Friends of the network. Yes. So now for some new listeners, why don't you, I know you must have done this a million times, mm. but why don't you give us a quick overview of what Heritage Foods USA actually does, who you are? Well, what I do and what Heritage Foods USA does is they basically um, connect farmers that raise rare and heritage breeds of meat to consumers all across the country, whether it be chefs um, at restaurants or home chefs at home that can receive deliveries by mail via FedEx. Um, and I run the mail order ends the business, which basically entails anyone that goes onto our website, heritagefoodsusa.com, and places an order. I see everything that comes through those orders and make sure that all of our farmers and um, distribution centers know what order to send and who to send it to. So if I, if I decide that I want a heritage turkey, I'm going to go to the website. Mm-hmm. I'm going to buy the turkey. Mm-hmm. And you are going to make sure that it ships from where? Tremble, Missouri? Uh, yes. Last year, Tremble, Missouri, for sure. Um, that's where we've been shipping our birds out of for um, since 2005, I believe. They were all being shipped from uh, Trimble. I've been with Heritage since uh, August of 2006. So two and a half years full time there. Um, I've been dubbed the Minister of Mail Order. <laughs> also a co-founder of Heritage Radio Network. Thank you. Don't forget. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, besides turkeys, there's lots of other interesting things that we do offer on the menu, if you will. We've got ducks, we've got geese, we've got steaks, we've got anything you could really think of in like the protein world, to be honest. Uh, bison. Um, then we do special things, you know, throughout the year that are seasonal and can only be offered in months of September, for instance, the pawpaw. Um, pawpaw we is had, delicious. Yeah. Um, our nice mango custody, banana type Native American fruit. Good fruit. Definitely. Now, I have a question for you mm-hmm. since, uh, well, first of all, I want to go on record and say that we at Heritage Radio Network are very upset the Jets won't be in the Super Bowl. But that being said, <laughs> if I want to pig out on the Super Bowl... What should I be looking at on this website? What do you think? The Super Bowl Sunday specials. Which is? Which are ribs, Boston butts, and... It's escaping me right now. (laughs) Ribs, Boston butts, and country ribs, the farmer favorite. Uh, I thought you were going to say suckling pig. No, unfortunately, we like to keep our babies to, uh, you know, get a little bigger and older. (laughs) I just had a suckling pig um, sausage from... Heritage last night. Where? At Maliano. Oh, yeah, nice. Deli- that's that's delicious. the benefit of delivering uh, the product yourself at 1030 at exactly. night. Exactly. Awesome. Cool. So there's a Super Bowl special, uh, a special. That's cool. Gotta yeah, check it out. definitely. Boston butt, you know, the top part of the shoulder makes awesome pulled pork. We've got our St. Louis ribs up there, which everyone knows uh, what to do with those. Just put them in your favorite beer batter or throw your favorite barbecue sauce on them. Put them in the oven. 12 ribs per slab. You can entertain a whole party. Mm-hmm. And uh, another special thing we've got this week is uh, fresh lamb from Montana. Which is uh, always fun because you got a little piece of the animal to serve up for everyone on that Super Bowl Sunday. Do you have recipes on the website? Too? There are recipes. Awesome. Um, many of the recipes come from like some of the chefs, uh, some of this country's best chefs, as well as the farmers and uh, uh, and friends. Wow! So it's all taken care of. Um, we try full service. Yeah. <laughs> so today we're talking corn, as evidenced by our theme song. If you didn't recognize. But, um, you know, corn with a C. Not a K. (laughs) And this is Iroquois White Corn. Who are we going to be talking with in the next segment? We're going to be talking with Marty Travis from uh, uh, Spence Farm. And he's in Fairbury, Illinois. Illinois. 
And he's got a story that we are going to get into that really just like to pick some movie. I mean, awesome. I'm really looking forward to getting him on and uh, really looking forward to being able to offer Iroquois White Corn. And for those of you who don't know anything about the Iroquois White Corn Project, you're going to learn a lot in just about mm, maybe three to four minutes when we get him on here. Word. Well, Heather, it's awesome to hear you back on radio. Yeah, I'm happy to have you as my co-host. Um, let's take a quick, quick break and we'll get Marty, Marty on the phone. back that's some pretty terrible music that we're playing today but uh, all in good spirits you're listening to the heritage report on the heritage radio network this show is brought to you by our very own heritage foods usa www.heritagefoodsusa.com for more information and remember you can call in live at any time 718-497-2128 you can search for the heritage report on itunes for podcast you can find us on twitter at HRN Updates on Facebook, the Heritage Radio Network. We are everywhere. And on the line right now, we have Marty Travis. Are you with us, Marty? Yes. Good, good afternoon. Good afternoon. How's it going, Marty? Well, it's a nice, cold winter day here in the Midwest. I'm not sure what you're dealing with out there, but it's, it's not too bad. It's a strangely warm winter season here. Yeah. Actually. Wow. It was like 50 degrees on Monday, and it's going to be snowing on Saturday. <laughs> so if you don't hear the nasal on my nose, that's why. <laughs> well, 
we're we're anxiously awaiting spring here too. So it'll yeah. it'll happen. It'll happen. Well, you'll you'll tell me more about why you're anxiously awaiting spring. I'm sure in just a moment. But uh, let's um, learn a little bit more about Spence Farm. Okay, Spence Farm um, has been in my family. It was my grandparents' farm. It's been in our family this year for 180 years. Wow! How many generations is that? Um, our son is the eighth generation oh. to live here. Wow! And he's gonna—is he gonna continue farming? Very much. He's one of the partners in our farm and uh, an equal partner. And at eighteen, he—he's yeah. pretty pretty excited about it. That's, That's what we love to hear. We're all about young farmers here on the Heritage Radio Network. You bet. We need them. You bet. Well, it's a it's a hundred and sixty acre farm. Uh, a little bit of conventional corn, beans, wheat, alfalfa, okay. but we also grow 10 plus acres of uh, food crops, vegetable, vegetable crops, mm-hmm. and uh, so, a lot of heirloom varieties. So did the 10 acres pay the bills or the 150 acres? <laughs> um, the 150 acres, more or less, uh, that goes, most of that goes to my mom uh, for her income. But I'll say that we probably do ten times that on our ten acres of what what she wow. does on hers. So, really? Yeah, that's yeah. pretty amazing. So, what's so special about what you're raising on these ten acres that's able to 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 you know pull in that kind of income? Well, we do all kinds of heirloom varieties of tomatoes, uh, potatoes, uh, beans. We needed something else that rhymed there, Marty. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, peppers, and, and all kinds of things for restaurants in the Chicago area and a whole local food uh, network that we supply here in central Illinois also. Nice. When you uh, say local food network, is that like a CSA? or No, um, we actually have uh, a number of restaurants, but also a number of grocery stores uh, here in central Illinois that are quite supportive of the local uh, farm and, and food uh, network that that we've helped set up Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's it's pretty exciting we have a lot of young people involved uh, and uh, to see 11 and 12 year old kids providing food for their community is is pretty rewarding wow so how does that happen do they come visit you on the farm or do you drive out to this local food network is there like a distribution center no um each each farm is is still responsible for their own labeling and their own identity mm-hmm. um, but we we have arrangements with uh, a lot of the the grocery stores and and several small restaurants and some larger restaurants where the folks uh, the farmers are able to take their product in at any time and and it's all prepackaged and labeled and and the whole arrangement it's mm-hmm. and the grocery stores are actually giving the farmer 80% of the retail price. Wow. So, which is pretty remarkable. Huh. I mean, so they're giving you real estate and shelf space, and it doesn't sound like they are making any money. Well, um... I mean, I don't know how they could be. We... we it, it's also great community awareness. Uh-huh. Uh, we do a lot of educating here uh, through our not-for-profit here at the farm, but a lot of community awareness, and um, it's... It's really paying off. The, this, this group of farmers that I'm talking about have doubled their sales each year uh, for the last five years. 
That's amazing. So, I mean, these 10 acres, they um, it's enough space to, to supply this network, or do you foresee you having to maybe uh, expand on these 10 acres? We're looking probably to expand this year into a lot of small grains. We have a number of restaurants and, and other businesses asking for barley and rye and, mm. and wheat and, and spelt and those kinds of things. So Any local... Beer makers, I'm sorry. Yeah, actually, actually, we're working uh, with two or three at this point, so it's it's kind of neat. That's wonderful. I like to hear that. Yeah, great. Um, so, um, on these ten acres, how? I mean, how many hands do you need? I mean, how many people do you have working with you? Or is this? And and I should maybe take a step back. Is this ten acres totally separate in terms of production from the other 150 acres first? It is. Yes. Okay. It, yes, it is. Um, and part of part of it will be in cover crop. Part of it will be in wheat. Part of it's in our our corn. Um, you know, just a variety of of crops. Mm-hmm. But typically, it's my wife Chris and I, and our our son Will, and uh, his girlfriend helps quite a bit during the summer. So basically, it's just three or four of us um, that. And that's part of of what we want to do is to to farm. In the at the scale of a human being, mm-hmm. um, you know that's really important that we just don't overstretch what we're actually capable of doing. Well, yeah, you can't cut corners that way. No, no. So that's good to hear, and you're keeping it in the family. Yes, very much. Where very much. where you're located? Um, are there other farms nearby? Is there some kind of like bartering? Because it sounds like you you know you're raising um you know crops, but no proteins really. So is there any kind of like bartering that goes on with the neighboring farms that raise proteins, perhaps? What we what we've done, we've uh, kind of organized a loose co-op. Uh, it's an LLC of 25 other small family farms that provide everything from eggs and chicken to pastured pork, pastured beef. Mm. Um, you know, there's an on-farm dairy store that, that sells uh, milk. Um, you know, all kinds of, of vegetables and produce and fruits and vegetables. And so we work uh, as a cooperative, mm-hmm. um, basically, as, as marketing and selling and, and those kinds of things. And there is quite a bit of of bartering that does happen between the group. Or it's tree. really pretty neat. Nice. Well, that's good to hear. Um, community is important to uh, uphold wherever you are. You bet. You bet. A good sense of it anyway. Wonderful. Well, we brought you on the show today um, to talk about uh, Iroquois white corn. And uh, we're very excited to, to have uh, somebody producing Iroquois white corn that we even know about. Yeah. Wanna, well, want to tell us a little bit why? Uh, tell us about why this is so rare. Well, several years ago, Rick Bayless's restaurant Frontera, mm-hmm. uh, we take a lot of, of product there. Uh, the chef de cuisine Brian Inyard asked us. He says, "You know, there's something that I want to ask you guys if you would consider growing." And he said, "You know, years ago we were able to get this this roasted cornmeal." from the Iroquois Nation out in New York, mm-hmm. and we just can't get it anymore. And so we went on this this big um, search to try to find the seed, mm-hmm. and there was no seed available in the United States that we could find. Um, mm-hmm. Finally found uh, a company in Ontario that had seed 
for $50 a pound. Wow. And <laughs> so that's pretty pricey. Yeah. So what is that? I mean, I'm not sure. What's an average seed? Like, I don't know anything about the cost of seeds. The, the conventional farmers will maybe get, um, I don't know, they might be able to pay $100 Hundred and twenty dollars for a fifty-pound bag. Wow. <laughs> That's a huge difference. It's a big difference. <laughs> wow. Well, we um, are going to learn a lot more about why this seed is so expensive, so rare, and what's so special about the uh, finished product after it's raised. In uh, just a quick bit here, um, Marty, stay with us, and you all bet. our listeners will be right back. <laughs> Listening to the Heritage Report. I'm Jack Inslee, sitting here with Heather Hyman, aka Heather from Heritage. Heather from Heritage. We want to remind you that we're broadcasting out of two repurposed shipping containers in the backyard of Roberta's Pizzeria in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It's 261 Moore Street, and uh, our producer today is Kayla Cohen. Correct me if I'm mistaken. And engineered by Nat Weiner, and we are. Pro- we're sponsored by Heritage Foods USA. We're talking with Marty about the Iroquois white corn. And Marty, what, what makes the Iroquois white corn different than any other corn for the layman? Well, part of it is it has what you're talking about, a heritage. Mm-hmm. It has a, a history. This corn was passed down from generation to generation to generation potentially for, you know, well over 100 years. Um, it's, it's an heirloom crop that the seed comes true each year from when you plant that seed, you get basically that same corn each time that you plant it. Mm-hmm. Conventional corn um, today that's planted here in the Midwest are, are hybrids that are genetically modified um, that you don't want to be eating because you're eating, you know, potentially things that have insecticides in them. Right. And are there any other types of heirloom corn, or is this really the, the only one? No, there? no. There's, there's, there's actually dozens of different varieties. Okay. If you look, um, Seed Savers Exchange, for instance, would carry a number of different kinds. But this particular corn has a flavor and a quality about it that our chefs are just really really excited about they say this this is unlike anything that they've that they've had before and like its name it's white not yellow like we're used to seeing that's right that's right and it's it's a large kerneled corn um nearly the size of of like a hominy Mm -hmm. and what exactly is a hominy well you would take you would take a, a specific variety of corn and be able to 
to soak it in, in lye and, and then rinse it and then be able to, to cook that and, and um, be able to make uh, hominy or pozole and those kinds of things. Okay, and what's lye exactly? Lye is, is a chemical compound um, that, I mean, it's, it's going to sound really tough, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a drain cleaner. It used to be used as a oh, drain whoa. cleaner, Lewis Lye. Um, <laughs> but what it does, it, it removes the, the outer part of that corn, and, then once, and it helps it to puff and, and to soak up water that way. Hmm. So it's like, a good thing. Well, and, and lye can also be made from wood ash. Um, it's very alkaline. Okay, got it. So um, this this uh, this seed that you you got was the hunt for it. Really, I mean, right now is it is it worth the, the hunt? I mean, what have you done with the seed since you've gotten it? Well, the first year we planted, I ordered a, a pound and a half. I, I was going out on a limb. Yeah, seventy five dollars. That's a big investment. <laughs> well. Yes and no, but but the first year we planted eight rows of corn that were approximately 200 feet long, and and we ended up with barely 60 pounds of cornmeal, mm. and about eight or nine pounds of, of seed corn that we felt were, you know, you want to save the best ears, the best-looking ears uh, for seed for the next year, and we took took that cornmeal, that 63 pounds, to, to Brian at Frontera, and he, he sat on the counter and hugged it. Oh, no. Um, he was so, he was almost in tears. He says, oh. you guys did it. Wow. And he says, now, next year I need 800 to 1,000 pounds. <laughs> so we're bringing it back then. That's, that's essentially what's going on here. That's right. So, so we, we planted, the next year I, we saved our nine pounds, but I needed six more pounds, and I called the seed company back, and they said, well, we changed the price a little bit. It's now uh, 250 kernels for twenty dollars. Wow! And so, but long story short, I was able to, to procure another five pounds, mm-hmm. and um, we now are able to save our own seed. And the, the crop actually gets better each year. It's acclimating to, to our farm and to the soil here. That's great. Now, what what's necessary for the price to come down? Do you think the more popular this becomes, maybe they'll bend a bit on that? Or I I think so, and and I think the more and more that you know that we can reintroduce it, we've actually sent some of the seed to a few other small farms in the Midwest, so that we're not the only repository for the seed. Good, mm-hmm. nice. Um, and then hopefully over the over the course of the next year or two, we can get it back into some of the seed catalogs and, and seed industry, so that you know more and more folks can can experience this corn. Now, one thing that's most important to me, like when I'm working, you know, when I have my heritage hat on and I'm and procuring new products or talking to new farmers, is you know how to really confirm that the um, identity or that the genetics really are what the farmer says they are. Mm-hmm. And there's got to be a story behind this because, you know, you went all the way to Ontario to find this seed. How did you know that it was really a descendant of the Iroquois tribe? Well, there was, there was some, some research that I had done in trying to reach the folks that, uh, that had, had produced this in the past. And I actually came up with i had i was contacted by a colleague of the chief who was in charge of this and the chief had since passed away and this colleague who was that um, the chief yes chief john mohawk of the iroquois Uh, tribe yes they're in new york Hmm. 
Um, but this is a colleague of his that, that wrote and became very excited that he was, he was very saddened when, when the chief had passed away and that the tribe decided evidently not to, to continue on. And uh, so he, he passed on some information that, that said, I'm nearly positive that, that this seed was, you know, traveled throughout the, the, uh, the nation. Uh, the Iroquois Nation, and that one of the places was in Ontario. Wow. So someone happened to find your farm somewhere on the interweb or just learned of you, and you basically were given, like, some backstory from, like, the person that you wish you could have bought the seed from himself. Right, exactly, exactly. It's like out of Mm -hmm. a movie. Yeah. Well, and and it's been, it's connected us with a lot lot of folks. Some folks who have had this corn in the past who thought that they would not be able to get it again, uh, much like Frontera, but mm-hmm. it's, but we've introduced it to a lot of new folks, too. Yeah, well, I know I've definitely heard requests for it. And I'm wondering, have you ever gotten um, contacted by any Iroquois um, natives, like any um, people from the Iroquois tribe to, to purchase no, from you? Not yet. Um, we've had some, some requests from, from the New York area, mm-hmm. uh, but but. Not, not yet, um, but I hope I hope that we can uh, because I would love to be able to, you know, return some of the seed to them and hopefully they could could pick this up again. Definitely, for sure. Now, have, have you gotten a chance to taste any of the things being? Oh made? yes, oh and, yeah. And the verdict? It's tremendous. Hmm. Um, we when we harvest it, we har- we don't harvest it with a combine. Uh, the first couple years we hand picked everything. Wow. Um, this past year, we, we had a neighboring farm, farmer who had an old 40-, 50-year-old corn picker that we were able to use. But we, we harvest it, we dry it, then we hand-roast it over an oak fire wow. so that it, it toasts it just a little bit. Uh-huh. Then we shell it off of the cob okay. and then run it through a stone mill and mill it into, into the cornmeal. So it has this wonderful smoky earthy nutty um, flavor that's that's really quite different it's a true heritage experience through and through yeah right. how long does that take for it to get husked and then uh, turn into cornmeal <laughs> um we usually harvest in you know sometime in, hopefully by the end of october each year mm-hmm. um and then it will usually take a good two three four weeks for us to really begin to to get a few hundred pounds together. And so, you know, we still have uh, quite a lot of it uh, drying that, that is dry and ready to, ready to roast. So we're, we're still able to offer it. The last couple of years, we were sold out by this time uh, each year. So. All right. Well, for all of you out there interested in uh, per, uh, procuring some of this, um, you could reach out to uh, Marty himself at thespencefarm.com for uh, his contact information. Heritage Foods USA looks forward to the opportunity to offer this to um, our customers and listeners out there. And um, Marty, we uh, hope to have you on again um, to talk more about, um, you know, your farming uh, protocols and productions, uh, you know, when it's really um, your busy, busy season and hear about how that goes when you're out there in the fields, um, you know, with the corn itself. We'd be more than than welcome to do that. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Uh, It's a pleasure. Thanks so much, Marty. You're welcome. All right. Take care, you guys. You as well. And thanks for listening to the first very ever episode of the Heritage Report. And we hope to have you back here 
Next Wednesday, live at five. Five o'clock. Don't forget I'm to Jack call in. Inslee. And this is Heather. And we're sponsored by Heritage Foods USA. What up, Patrick? Thank you.